tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 98. Well, you guys, with the release of my new book, Embracing Trust, I've had some wonderful opportunities to share the message on TV and radio, as well as on other podcasts. And one of my favorite conversations was with my friend Stacy, who hosts the Moms in Prayer podcast. Moms in Prayer is a worldwide ministry that brings mothers together to intercede for their kids. And of course, we talked about mothering by faith and not by fear. But oh, you guys, we covered so many other topics. I just had to share the conversation with you. Joanna, welcome to the Moms in Prayer podcast. Oh, it's so great to be with you, Stacy. We are thrilled to have you. So how about we start out with having you share a little bit about you, your family, where you're from? Yeah. Well, I always like to say I'm Joanna from Montana. <laughs> I love that. It's a good thing that we haven't had to leave Montana. So I, you know, it's yeah. part of my shtick. But yeah, I am a been blessed to be in full-time ministry. My husband's a pastor. We love the body of Christ. I have three kids and I'm finally a grandma. Oh. After a long time and struggle with infertility, my son and his wife gave us twins and my daughter has two sons. So we have four kids under the age of four. (laughs) Yeah. So life is exciting. And then my youngest, my little surprise that came along when my oldest son was just about to turn 17, Joshua just graduated from high school. So I'm officially old. I've raised two sets of teenagers. Yes. Oh my goodness. Except for the old part. You'll be forever young in Uh, our eyes, Joanna. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you have a new book and I loved it, by the way. It's called Embracing Trust. So will you share your heart for writing this book? You bet. You bet. Well, it's kind of interesting. My first, really, my first nonfiction Christian book for women was Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. I was like 36 years of age when I wrote that back book. I was in the middle of motherhood. And the minute I finished it, this message of trust and the importance of trusting God, that's really what I thought was going to be my next book. But the Lord kept asking me to let go of it, which is really ironic because the working title was Letting Go and Trusting God (laughs) because he had more research (laughs) that he wanted to do in my life and more things that he wanted to reveal. And so it's so interesting because I really, I mean, for now over 20 years, Mm -hmm. this is the book I've wanted to write. Even in researching other books and ministry, that message of trust and the importance of trust just kept coming up. And God just kept bringing me back to this place of surrender. But when it finally came time to write the book, that the message had grown beyond just letting go, which I still think is the key to trusting God. But it isn't just this passive case or rah. No, we let go and surrender so that then we can learn how to hold on in faith. And so that's the subtitle, The Art of Letting Go and Holding On to a Forever Faithful God. Because, oh my goodness, my heart is so full of this message. And I was telling you before we got on, I feel so passionate about it because it's not, it's really not as much about our response to Him as who He really is. This incredible, trustworthy God. But sadly, so often we know that in our head. We really 
don't know it in our heart. And so it's just my prayer that somehow this new book will build a platform of faith. It'll even go back and fill the holes that we all have in our faith, where we just have an incomplete understanding of who God really is and all that he wants to be to us. So good, Joanna. And you know, as you're sharing that, I can see why God had you wait on this book, because truly you weave your life story throughout this book from the beginning, from your call into ministry, all the way through life with your grandchildren. Yeah. And it is a story of you learning and growing in trusting God. And I believe that's a story that if we were really aware, if we if we could pull back a bit and see the bird's eye view of our life with Jesus, mm-hmm. we would see the same stories of his faithfulness. But sadly, and even though I've written a book on trusting God, I can wake up some mornings absolutely fogged in with fear, so overwhelmed with my circumstance that I really don't, it's almost like I, I forget to factor in God. And I believe the lie that it's up to me. And and I think that's the challenge for all of us to go back and trace the faithfulness of God and remember his goodness. Because when we can capture that, then when those fogged in mornings appear, you know, we can go, we can speak to our fear and say, yeah, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know who I serve and my God is able. Excellent. Excellent. So Joanna, why do we have such a difficult time (laughs) trusting a trustworthy God. I know. It kind of blows my mind when you really consider the big picture of all that he's done. But I really believe that it's wired into our fallen DNA. I believe that almost everything can be traced back to the garden. I really believe that. In fact, it's interesting. All of my books, somewhere along the way, go back to the garden. Because when you look at it, It was distrust. It was that insertion of doubt by the enemy, Mm -hmm. a hiss of discontent that said, "Mm, God's withholding something that you need. He's not as good as you think he is. And that temptation to seize control of our lives. Well, it's still, even as Christians, it's still wired in our fallenness. It's that lower nature. I call her flesh woman. You describe (laughs) her so Well, give us your description of Flesh Woman. Yes. Well, it really came out of my second book, Having a Merry Spirit, Allowing God to Change Us from the Inside Out. And I I went to the Lord trying to figure out what is this struggle that Uh I feel? Because I really, really thought that somewhere along the way in my Christian walk, I would arrive. Right. That I would no longer struggle with temptation. I'd no longer struggle with doubt and fear. And yet it is this present activity. And so as I began to study the flesh, which is the lower nature in the word of God, I sort of thought that maybe we could rehabilitate flesh woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, my flesh woman isn't dark and sordid. She's kind of a church girl. I call her a 683 pound sumo wrestler chick (laughs) who cleans up really well. And she does the whole Jesus thing as long as it serves her. But if you cross her or if God doesn't do what she wants. And so this is the war in the member of our bodies that Paul writes about in Romans 7, you know, where the doobie-doos I call about, you know, where we don't do what we ought to do. We do the things we ought not. And it's this wrestling. And 
And when I begin to understand that in my flesh, the Bible says, no good thing dwells, right. that my lower nature is enmity towards God. And I begin to also realize that just because I doubt doesn't mean I'm a doubter right? Mm -hmm. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's what we do with temptation that matters. And so when that fear comes knocking, when, you know, you're just minding your own business and all of a sudden you're sideswiped by terror or fear for your kids or fear of how are we going to make ends meet? And boy, in our world right now, aren't we just inundated with reasons to fear? And at that moment, we have a decision to make because while distrust got Adam and Eve thrown out of the garden, I believe trust is the key back to the garden, the intimate friendship with him. I mean, when you think about it, Adam and Eve lived under the umbrella of his provision, his protection, his presence, and they Mm -hmm. forfeited it all because they wanted control. Ah. But if I'm willing to trust God, if I'm willing to surrender my life, surrender control back to him, I come back under that umbrella of his provision, his protection, and I get to experience his presence. And so trust, I believe, is the key. It's easy to say, but it's harder to do. And that's what I really tried to do in this book is just unpack all the different aspects of trust. And there's so much, honestly, Stacey, (laughs) there's so much. I think I want to write a devotional because there are so many aspects to trust that I think sometimes we're just unaware of. Mm-hmm. That when those things happen, when those obstacles come, when that fear knocks, actually, it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity Ooh. to trust God. So, so good, Joanna. So you do talk about some of the things we need to let go of. And you nail us in every chapter in the best <laughs> sense of the word. I mean, we this book is beautifully convicting. It really is. Mm, so let's talk about laying down the fig leaf. What do you mean by that? Well, it's so interesting. I don't know. I come from a long line of Swedish warriors. (laughs) So like (laughs) fear has been a companion for I think we as moms relate. Well, and you know what? It's so interesting because my daughter said exactly that. She said, I don't think I never considered myself an anxious person until I had kids. And all of a sudden, we're responsible for these little lives. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, our eyes are open to all the things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Well, where did that fear come from? Because again, we were meant to live under the covering of the Lord. Adam and Eve had no need to fear. Right. We were in right relationship with him. But the moment they ate the forbidden fruit, everything changed. Mm-hmm. You know, God said, you're going to die. Well, they're still upright. So they're thinking... Well, that didn't happen. But what did happen was their inner person, that their spirit died. And all of a sudden, fear just came on. And what was the first thing they did? They hid from God. Mm -hmm. They sewed fig leaves to cover their nakedness. And, you know, it's crazy. But even as Christians, we can do the same thing, you know, covering our nakedness, our insecurity, you know, propping up our worth with positions or titles or having the right house, the right car, making, you know, even our kids can be big leaves Uh because we really want them to make us look good. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And we're really offended when they don't, you know? And so- Unfortunately, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know. It's a real, the struggle is real. How to be willing to be real before God, real before people. I mean, it's scary. 
I had one woman say, I'd like to come to ladies Bible study, but aren't there women there? I mean, right? It's scary to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. to just come as we are. And yet that's the beautiful invitation of trust Mm -hmm. that we can be covered with Christ's righteousness, that he's the one who gives identity, not our possessions, our our kids, our, our marriage, our position, our ministry, laying it all down and just belonging to him. You know what those fig leaves that we put up hinder fellowship because we can't relate to one another. We just end up competing with one another Mm. instead of just, you know, being real. It's such an invitation as women that we can give and just saying, I'm struggling or this is difficult for me or pray for me, you know, right? such a beautiful invitation to fellowship. That's it. Well, what's the saddest thing about Big Leaves is we end up not even knowing who we are. Ah, right. right. right? We believe the Fig Leaf version. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We think it's what we do. That's our identity. It's what we produce. It's is our value. All of those things. And so we we lose our identity rather than allowing Christ to, you know, I, I just, there's this wonderful prayer that Char, I believe was old author, uh, Charlie Shedd wrote, Oh Lord, show me what you had in mind when you made the original me. Ooh. And I just love that. What if, what if we just let the Lord define us and not even go going to God and show, God, show me who I am. No, it's just like, you know, it's so funny. It's like our kids, they're not trying to find themselves. They're right. just being themselves. And Mm -hmm. what if we had that childlike faith that my daddy loves me and he thinks I'm great. And we lived from that place of security rather than our fears. It'd be so freeing. It It is freeing. Yeah. When I live from that place, that's where freedom lies. Excellent. But here's the deal. I really believe that the path to trust is the path of surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge as Christians. You know, I tell the story in chapter two about the surrendered life. I had given my heart to Jesus when I was four or five, but the rest of me kept going out with other guys. <laughs> you know? yes. like, Jesus, you can have my heart, but I, I'm going to retain control of my life. And that keeps that tug of war going on between the flesh and the spirit. But when we just surrender all, we go, oh, Lord, I don't know if you can do anything beautiful with this or if you can make anything of any value, but I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my kids. I give you my gifts and talents. I give you the fact that I have no gifts and talents. <laughs> I just want to belong to you. That's really, for me, that's when I was able to lay down some of those really prevalent and time-consuming fig leaves. <laughs> and exhausting too, right? Oh, exhausting. (laughs) No wonder we're so tired. Oh, my word. Yes. What about expectations? I think Mm. this is a big one. The expectations that we need to let go of. Yeah. Well, I talk about in the book that, you know, expectations are necessary on one level. I mean, you know, our kids need to know what's expected to pass a class. We need to know what our boss wants us to do in order to fulfill our job. But when we allow those expectations to not only define who we think we should be, I mean, I had a lot of expectations when I went into ministry. Mm-hmm. I really believed that in order to be a value for God, there had to be numbers. Oh, yeah. We can find that even in the online space, you know, having yes. a podcast. It's like, oh, I need to be effective. I have to have numbers. And so we have those expectations 
that we think are going to give value to ourselves, expectations of ourselves. Then we have expectations of our of others. I write about how I nearly destroyed our marriage <laughs> with my expectations. Thanks for Sean. being so honest. Oh, he needed to be successful so I could be successful. <sighs> yeah. You know, and I think it's really hard especially as women, because I do think that there is an intuitive piece that God has given us. Thank God as moms that he's given us some intuition. But if we're not careful, we can begin to believe that we know what is best for everyone at all times. Yeah. And if they would just do that, or we insert ourselves as the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. But one of the things the Lord, oh, you know, he just showed me, Joanna, what you're seeing and what you're discerning may be true, but when you insert yourself as the voice of the Holy Spirit, it is interpreted as condemnation, not conviction. Uh. And because it's coming through your flesh, being translated by the less savory parts of you, it can't be received. Ooh. Yeah. And I'll never forget when the Lord said, Joanna, get your hands off my man. Oh. Yeah. He said, I see those things that need to be changed, but some of the things you're trying to change about your husband are some of the things I love best. So stop praying, Lord, change him and start praying, Lord, change me. And I'm just telling you what, 41 years of marriage later, eight years miserable, (laughs) 33 extraordinarily happy. Mm -hmm. I can tell you it's worth it. It's worth it because here's the deal, you guys, we can be right and still be wrong. (laughs) right? Yes. We can see things that are true, but when we turn it into criticism rather than intercession, then, then we're actually harming. I literally know, I know that I stopped the work of God by constantly inserting myself into the equation. When I begin to just release the Lord, when, and you know, I even had to sort of, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I had to begin praying, Lord, would you please stop showing me things? Because I wasn't handling them right. Mm-hmm. I was letting it eat away at my soul. And so when something would come, I would just say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you know how to work that in my husband's life. So good. With my children, you know, <laughs> we can too. You know, we, we never really teach them how to hear the voice of God because we're always there to <laughs> interpret. <laughs> oh, man. Right. And so I love, I love what Oswald Chambers says. He says, discernment is never given for in criticism, but only for intercession. Ooh. And so I think this mom's in prayer. What if, what if we mm, maybe put a lid on the tongue a little bit? And when we did say something, it was to the Lord in prayer. I do think I, I wish I would have been better at that. I wish I would have been better at that because we want our kids to hear God's voice. Because honestly, I think a lot of kids who have walked away from the Lord, it's because that's all the only voice they hear in their head Mm. is condemnation. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Such a good warning. There will be times to speak, but we really need the Lord to temper and tame our flesh so that it's really Him and not us. The problem is, is when we think we have to say something at all times, when our expectations, well, God wants this and God wants that and God this and God that, what we're doing is we're, we're really painting a very unattractive picture of who God is. He's a good, good father. And his discipline brings life, not death. Excellent. 
So once we've let go and surrender, you talk about the things like you were saying before that we need to hold on to, like Mm -hmm. believing God's love and his goodness and his power, despite the difficulties we all face. Will you please share about the things that we need to hold on to? Yes, yes. I would just propose this until we let go and surrender. Mm. Until we say, thy will be done, not my will. Until we commit all of our cares and our worries and our anxieties to the Lord. What happens is we might have faith, but it's faith in an outcome. Yeah. Rather faith than faith in our God. I love what George Mueller said. Someone asked him how to pray effectively. And he said, the first thing I do is to make myself of no will of my own. Right? Because when we do that, I think we're able really then to begin to see what God wants in a situation. There's, I believe, five or six chapters in this section of holding on. Mm -hmm. And the first one is being content in his love, like just being able to rest in his goodness. You know, I really think that there is a chronic disconnect between our head and our hearts when it comes to God's love. When we get that, when we fully surrender, I believe that pride is broken and that love can trickle down Mm. to where it really needs to be. And then I'm not operating out of fear. It's not a fear-based prayer. It's a faith-based prayer. Talking about, you know, faith over fear, kind of what we've been talking about a lot, where I bring God into the equation. That was one of the things the Lord really showed me. When something comes up, I have to ask, is this faith? Or is this fear? Because if it's fear, I'm operating from the wrong tree. I'm eating from the wrong tree. Right. But when I choose to lay down my need to understand, I think that's another laying down thing. (laughs) Yes. Laying down my right to control, Mm -hmm. relinquishing my rights to be treated fair, then I can just live unhindered, right? You know, when it says in Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for good. Mm-hmm. to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. When you look at that, you realize, oh my goodness, nothing bad can really happen to me because God works it together for good. It's not so working good. against me. It's working for me. If I will let go and surrender and hold on in faith that his sovereignty, he knows how to work nothing towards his purposes. Oh my goodness. There's so many precious promises. So good. I just even have a chapter about praying God-sized prayers. Yes, I love that chapter. Yeah, because I realized that in my desire to let go and surrender, sometimes I just let go of any desires at all. And that's not where he wants us. No, it isn't. It really isn't. And so I found myself being afraid to ask for something big. Mm. But have you noticed our kids aren't afraid? Right? (laughs) There we have to go back to our childhood selves, our childhood that trusting is that selves. Childlike faith, not childish. Because boy, we can be childish. Oh yeah, I know. Faith. And we have demands of God. But childlike faith says, Daddy, wouldn't it be cool? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it trusts his timing, his wisdom, and his plan. And that's I think where we have to step out of our adulting sometimes and get back in touch with that childlike faith that's willing to believe him for great-sized things because I believe God wants to do God-sized miracles. He really does. And for whatever reason, he's linked himself to our willingness to pray. That's one of the conundrums, you know, 
what does trusting God look like? Is it just absolute surrender and I never want anything? Is it like Zen Buddhism, no, the absence of all desire? No. no I don't think it is because God works in our desires. Psalm yes. 37, he gives us the desires of our heart. Not only the things we want, but actually even shapes those desires. Mm. But how do I let him purify it so that God dreams don't become Joanna schemes? <laughs> Ooh. Excellent. You refer a lot to David, King David yes, in the book and yes. use him as, as an example over and over again of how to trust God. Will you share a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. He really is an amazing man. You know, I love how I feel like David, of all the biblical writers, was in touch with his feminine side. <laughs> he's so emotional. Like, yes. He's so big with his emotions and he's honest with God. And yet, he could look at a situation. He could say, this is horrible. This is terrible. I don't see how it's going to ever work out. And yet he always was able to bring it back around. But yet I know I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You know, And so we just kind of look chapter by chapter from the moment that he is anointed to be king as a teenager. You know, I don't think I ever realized that, you know, King Saul went on to rule for another 15, 13 to 15 years. Yeah, it was a long time waiting. Sometimes we get a word or a promise from the Lord. Yes. And when it doesn't happen the next week, we're like, well, I must have heard wrong. <laughs> and I think sometimes, you know, prayers aren't answered right away. And we believe one of two things, something's wrong with me or something's wrong with God. Ooh. But David had a long obedience. He had a long unshakable faith. And I believe that's the unshakable faith God wants to work in us. Now, was it perfect? No. Did he blow it big time? Yes. But we kind of trace even that through the book. Mm -hmm. And just, it, it was kind of cool how it just sort of is that thread throughout. What does trust look like for our lives? You know, so often, you know, we think that we're either defined by our greatest obedience or our biggest failures. Mm. And yet God looked at David's heart. And he said, that's a man. That's a man after my own heart. Acts tells us why, because he will do whatever I ask. And again, that surrender, that faith, that availability. I think that's what the Lord's looking for. Powerful, Joanna. At the end of the book, you share about resting in the sovereignty of God mm -hmm. and guarding the peace that he gives us. <laughs> will you please share about that? Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I opened with a story that, that, um, so you know, good. Share it, share it. I know it's such a great story. So, even though, of course, we've had 33 wonderful years of marriage. Yes. After the eight tough ones, at least from my point of view, you know, John said something that offended me. Imagine that. Yeah. I know. Who knew? Who knew that a godly pastor <laughs> could hurt his wife? <laughs> Or that his godly wife would get so offended. <laughs> I mean, there's that place too. <laughs> but I was so upset with him. And so anyway, we were he had to go to an appointment and we were visiting this small town that had a really fun little shopping area. So he dropped me off and I'm wandering through the stores and they're decorated for Christmas. And there's this beautiful little set of blocks that spell out peace. And they've kind of got pine cones and holly. And I'm like, ooh, those will be cute. And I can keep them out all year. And they're cheap, you know, like eight bucks. So I'm Good like, bargain. Oh. So I buy my blocks and I go to the coffee shop to wait for my husband to pick me up and I'm rehearsing, you know, that short but powerful 
speech to let him know how, how much he's hurt me. But when he finally gets there and I go out and climb in the truck, all of a sudden I realize I, I don't have my bag of blocks. And I say, oh, I forgot my piece. And so I go and I look all, all through the coffee shop. I can't find him. I, I ask at the desk. I look in the garbage. My piece is nowhere to be found. And so I go out. I go out to the truck and I get in and I slam the door. I'm like, someone stole my piece. <laughs> yeah, you have to hear it from my husband's point of view because he's like, is she talking about me? I'm pretty sure she's talking about me. <laughs> we just had this big confrontation. Well, on the way home, I called the store or maybe it was the next morning. And I, I asked her if she has any more because I really love those blocks. You really want your piece back. I want my piece. <laughs> And she goes and looks and she goes, yeah, we, we do have another set of blocks, but I just saw this little peg under the counter and it has some blocks in it. Do you think they're yours? And at that moment, the Lord just said, mm, Joanna, no one stole your peace. You left it. You left it. And I think so often the peace we often forfeit all because we do not carry our burdens to the Lord and leave them there, mm -hmm. you know? powerful. And there is this beautiful piece. I love that Jesus is really upfront. He's like, in this world, there's going to be trouble. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we're just so surprised that this world is such a mess. <laughs> like we think this is supposed to be heaven, but yes. it was never meant to be heaven. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And, and what does that mean? Well, he's the prince of peace. And he says, my peace I give you. My peace I leave to you. It's not a peace like the world gives. It's not based on our circumstances. It's that underlying sense of okayness that God is in control, in control and he can be trusted. And so this ability to rest in God's sovereignty. And sometimes we have a problem with sovereignty mm -hmm. because we have a problem with trust because we're like, how could a good and loving God let things be so terrible? How could he allow evil to happen? But again, I need to remind us, we're the ones. Our distrust and disobedience is what unleashed evil in the world. But God in his wisdom harnesses it and he turns it and he uses it to work good, not only in us, but through us, not only for his glory, but to change us from glory to glory. So I don't know. It's just really helped to step back and go, okay, you're sovereign and you're good. And even when I don't understand, I'm trusting you, God. And I really think that whole need to understand can also be traced back to the garden. Mm -hmm. What was the tree? The knowledge of good and evil. I want to understand. Yes. I want control. Right. When we choose to trust, we choose the right tree, the tree yes. of life. Excellent. The so Prince of Peace. So good, Joanna. Is there any final encouragement you'd like to share with us? Oh, you know, I think through the writing of this book, just more and more, I've just seen how trustworthy he is. You know, I can look at his faithfulness to me, but you read the stories of faithfulness to his people in the Bible, faithfulness to his people throughout the ages. And I think we need to understand that while we might not see his faithfulness as clearly as we'd like. If we'll let him, he wants to prove himself. I just remember one story that I didn't get to go into completely, but we had uh, Jessica had just been born, little six month old, two and a half year old, maybe three year old. And I got a call from our landlord that they needed to move into the house. 
Well, there was a, like a 3% vacancy rate oh. and which uh, for rentals, which meant the chances of us finding a house was really slim. And you know, that security that we need as mamas, just that fear attack. But God had been talking to me. I want you to trust me, Joanna. I want to prove myself faithful. Second Chronicles 16 says, the Lord's eyes roam to and fro looking to reward those who are looking to him. It's a long story, but God did just a miracle. He called us back and said, you know, we don't want you to move with a little baby. Our son has a house. It's bigger. He's willing to put in a stove, change the window so it doesn't cost so much to heat. But if you don't like that house, we'll move into it so you can stay where you are. Well, we went and looked and it was way beyond the house that we lived in. And I wonder how many blessings do we miss when we insist on retaining control? fixing things, making things happen, not really believing that God wants to work on our behalf. And so I would just challenge our listeners today, you can trust him. In fact, I was reading Malachi where he says, prove me in this. And he's talking about tithing, but I wonder if it doesn't have to do with trust as well. Hmm. Prove me. If you're willing to release your resources and entrust them to me, I'm going to open a window of heaven and pour out such a blessing you can't even That's our trustworthy. Powerful, Joanna. This has been such a gift to us. Will you give one final gift? Will you please pray for our listeners? I would so love to. I would so love to. Lord, I just thank you so much for Moms in Prayer and this powerful ministry. I thank you, Lord Jesus, just that mamas are gathering together all over the world and our nation to pray for their kids. But Lord, I just ask that you would do something inside of us, that we would no longer pray from a defensive posture or a fearful posture, that we'd no longer come to you begging and hoping and wishing, but not really trusting that our prayers are doing something in the heavenlies. Lord, I pray that you would build within us an unshakable faith and a confidence that, Lord Jesus, when you stir our hearts to pray, that the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of us and help us pray your perfect will, (laughs) bringing your will to earth, your love, your peace, your joy. Everything that we missed and forfeited in the garden, Lord, we get to partner to bring back to earth. Lord, teach us to, to eat from the tree that gives life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, would you deliver us from peripheral things and even the spiral of fear that just I feel is sucking in Christians all over the place where we're so fearful of our culture. We're so fearful of the things that are happening around us that we've forgotten that you are a God who has set it all in place and that God, you are working all of this to draw people to you. So let us pray differently. Let us pray differently because you've done something new in us. Invade our souls. Bring us to that place of total and complete surrender over and over and over again so that it's your life that fills us and floods through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you were encouraged to trust God more than ever before, not just in your parenting, but in every area of your life. If you're a mama or have a mama that you know and love, I hope you'll check out the Moms in Prayer podcast, their website, as well as their amazing ministry. You can find links in the show notes. But hey, did you know that if you scroll down on your podcast player, you'll probably find the links right there. And if you wouldn't mind, if you're enjoying the content, I hope you'll share it with a friend. 
Maybe there's a young mama who just needs to know she isn't alone. And hey, if you're looking for a Bible study for the new year, we're releasing the companion video study for Embracing Trust in December. You can learn more about it at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash ET study. It's a 10-week study that was filmed in the beautiful Glacier National Park and surrounding areas. Well, until next time, don't forget, my friend, you don't have to do this life alone. The Holy Spirit is there to help us become the mamas, the grandmas, the wives, the friends, the daughters we long to be as we learn to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Because as we look to Him, He's going to help us live and love and lead like Jesus.